Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. Give it up. That's right. When we think about this series called Encounters with Jesus, the truth is today, unless we have an encounter with Jesus, we're just going through the motions of church. When I was a kid, I went to church. I went to church Sunday morning, I went to church Sunday night, I went to church Wednesdays, and there's a lot of moments in my church life where I did this. I just sat there, folded my hands, and said nothing. Because it didn't really make an impact. It didn't make a difference to me. Because I didn't have an encounter with Jesus. But when those moments of knowing who he was, and maturing in my faith, and having an encounter with Jesus, it rocked my world. It shook me to the core. And I'm praying today that as we look at the scripture, God is going to get a hold of your life. He's going to speak to you. He's going to say something to you that will challenge how you've thought about him and how you see him and how you act in your life today. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. I want you to get ready to encounter him this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity just around the end of my message today to receive Jesus into your life. Maybe for the very first time. And so if you're kind of going, what's this all about? What's the point of today? We're going to allow God to speak to each one of us and open your heart, not the goofiness of who I am, but to the reality of who Jesus is in our lives today. Would you stand with me all across this place today, everyone all across this room? I want us to read the scripture today. And the scripture we're looking at is the transfiguration. And it's it's this incredible, interesting story. I think we have the... The scripture on the screen, here it is here. It's, we're going to look at it from the Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. And would you read this together with me today? About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son 
whom I have chosen, listened to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. I pray that it would speak to our hearts. It would change us. It would transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated today. I think it's important that we recognize the authority and, and the, the, the center of the word of God in our lives. And so if you're new here today, that was taken from the Bible. We read the scripture today in honor and reverence to him to, this morning. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever misplaced something? Uh-uh. Yeah. Have you ever, you know, had that moment where you're looking for your glasses, you're like looking everywhere, you're in the desk, you're on the table, you're in the kitchen sink, whatever, and there it is, right, you know, you know, wrapped around your ears and on your nose is your eyeglasses. I've done that. I'm wearing them right now. Thank the Lord. I've done this at other times. I've, I've misplaced a pen or I've misplaced my keys and I'm looking everywhere and it's in the most obvious place, like in your hands or in your pocket. After looking everywhere in the world that you, you would think to look, it's in the most obvious place. Seems strange at times that we often miss the most obvious things in life. That they're right there, right in front of us, because we're looking in the wrong places. But it happens. We miss things that, that have been there in the most obvious places the whole time. Let me say this to our young adults. In the room, wherever you are, young adults, there's a bunch of them here. There's a bunch all spattered all throughout this room here today. Maybe could it be possible that your future spouse is in the room today? Could it be possible for single people in this house that maybe the one you've been looking for, the one you want to spend your whole entire life with, is right beside you. Oh, it's getting crazy in here now. So here's what I want you to do. Everyone in this room today, I want you to look over to the person to the right of you. Or maybe the left, it depends. And say, say this, say, hi there. I've been looking for you. All right, this is getting silly. Maybe the person of your dreams is in this room today. And for spouses who are sitting beside you, don't, no elbows, of course. Of course. You know, when we look at the story of the transfiguration, <laughs> Jesus showed his disciples a part of their world that had been there all along. But it had really never been a part of their reality. They were shocked. They were amazed. They, they were beside themselves when they see this taking place here. Fear had gripped them, the Bible says, when they saw Jesus become transfigured. Now let's look at this word transfigured. It's a very interesting word. It's, it's the Greek word is metamorpho. It means to transform. Literally or, or figuratively to, to metamorphose or to change into another form. In the case of the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, it means to change the outside to match the inside. See, Jesus' divine nature 
was veiled. Hebrews talks about this. Hebrews 10.20. In human form, as, as the transfiguration was a glimpse, just a glimpse of that glory. So the transfiguration of Jesus was this unique display of his divine character and a glimpse of the glory which Jesus had before he even came to earth in human form. Incredible. So as I read, as we've read this portion of scripture today, I had some questions as I was looking at this. I mean, I've read it a, a, a number of times in my lifetime. And there's a few things that kind of popped into my thinking here that I think is worth looking at, investigating a little bit today. And I want to take a look at the context just for a moment today. See, it's impossible to really appreciate what's going on here with the transfiguration unless you realize that the scene takes place a, a few days after Jesus had for the very first time told his disciples that he was going to die. So he's sitting with the disciples. He's telling them this. He tells the disciples this in Matthew. We read about this in Matthew 16, 21, that, that he's going to die. They were offended and they were scandalized. Peter, speaking for the group, grabbed Jesus and he said, far be it from you to die. It can't happen. No way, Jesus. You're not dying. Not on my watch. Jesus was, of course, upset with Peter and he told him, you savor the things of man and not of God. Like you just don't understand what's about to take place. And the transfiguration is about three and a half three and a half year ministry of Jesus. This takes place after months and in years those disciples had followed Jesus. They had seen his miracles. They had done miracles in his name. They knew something about the power and the reality of who Jesus was. And yet when he began to talk about dying, it was staggering to the disciples. Peter, James, and John, they go into this high mountain away from everyone else and all the other disciples and they begin to pray with Jesus. He asks the disciples to pray. Jesus sits there with disciples. Come on, would you just pray with me? Then as they wake up, they fall asleep, of course. And Jesus standing before them, he's glowing. He's transfigured. And if that's not spectacular enough, Jesus is now appearing with Moses and Elijah, the prophet. Then a cloud appears and it covers them and God speaks. And a voice from the clouds saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. What do you do when you hear that? So the first question I have when I look at this and all of this is, why does Peter say this? Master... Is it good for us to be here? Let us put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Yeah, that's a great idea. So my first question is, why in the world 
does Peter want to build three shelters? Like, what, what's going on here? He wanted to set up three shelters. Actually, the original language says tents or tabernacles, places of worship. So why build a tent? What's the whole point of this tent? Why do they want to do this? Does he really like camping? Do they just not get enough of the dirt and the grit in their life living in the desert? What's the deal? It seems so strange and so foreign to a guy like me that hates camping. Like, what in the world? So, so let's look at this. Peter's experience is probably no different than, than any of ours would be. I've made some observations I think might be able to help us. And maybe write these down if, you're think, if you think anything like me. I think that the first thing I observe is that, that we try to build tents around exciting experiences or events in our lives. You know, when something really good takes place, oh yeah, we don't want to forget this. Let's build a monument. Hey, let's build a tent. Let's remember this so we don't forget. We live in a culture of busyness where it's like go, go, go. There's like from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. And, and if we don't have something to remind us, we forget. You know, like you remember when you were a kid and you had to put on your finger like a, a piece of ribbon to remember something? And you could never remember that thing that you were supposed to remember. You're just like, what's this ribbon doing on my finger? Like, we do things like this all the time to remember an event, an experience, to remind us of something. It's interesting that, and so this is the same thing here, that we build tents. They built a tent to remind them of what was going on, a tabernacle, a, a place of worship. You know, it's been a few weeks since I, I've, I've come back from my our missions experience in Rome, and what an incredible place in Rome, Italy. And man, there was these wonderful places of worship, cathedrals, glorious, wonderful, built to, to remember things, to remember what God represents, biblical stories and art and sculptures and, and such creativity in, the, in this world that, that humans have, have made these things. And so we try to build tents to remind us of experiences and events. I don't think it's too far off to believe that. Why do we build tents? Number two, I think we try to build, build tents when we're tired. You know, verse 32 says they were very tired. They were very sleepy because we're trying to make sense of something here. You know, maybe this will jog our memory. If we, if we build a, a structure, if we build a tent here, build a tabernacle, build a place of worship, we'll be reminded, and, and this, this will help us. Because right now, I can't really get all the details. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm super tired. So let's build a tent. We'll re, it'll remind us of what we're supposed to remember later. I think we build tents when we don't feel in control of the outcome. 
like when we're not sure what's going to take place. We try to be in control. And so let's build a tent to, re- to, to remind us. Let's build a tent to remind us later what, what, what took place. But we don't feel in control of the outcome. You see, Jesus is sharing with the disciples that he would be killed. That he would have to sacrifice his life. Then on the third day rise, Peter begins to rebuke Jesus and, and fights this reality that Jesus was sharing. And often we try to control the, what we don't understand. We try to control it. We try to build things to remind us of what's supposed to take place. Fourth thing here is I think we build tents to, to make things sacred in our lives. Oh, this is, this is a moment for me. I have to build this monument. I have to build this place of worship because Peter wanted to mark the spot that was sacred. This is holy ground. Not realizing that there are not just a few spots that are sacred. The whole world is sacred. It all belongs to God, doesn't it? Everything he's created belongs to him. And once Jesus asked, was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. We're so used to thinking about heaven being a place where we go when we die. We think of it as a, as a way of being somewhere out there. But Jesus was showing them that heaven is all around us, and it's within us. It's not something for when we die. It's something for when we live. The kingdom of God, of God is not for the future. God invites us to live into the, king, in the kingdom now. In the present, the kingdom of God is is not out there in some distant place, in the distant future. And people will try to tell us, where is the location of the kingdom of God? Well, I think it's probably like where the Garden of Eden would be. Because that would be nice. There's nice fruit, there's streams, birds chirping. It's going to be beautiful. Love it. We try to, where is the kingdom of God? Let's show us on a map. Kingdom God is right here. It's right now. Kingdom God is not just for church. It's for your home. It's for your place of work. It's for you wherever you go. That's where the kingdom of God is. So, here's some things, some reasons, some observations I've made at, at looking why they would build some tents. And the next question I had here today, and as I think about this, is why were Moses and Elijah? With Jesus at the transfiguration. What was the whole point of that? Okay, neat. They see Jesus transfigured. Now we're going to build some tents. Okay. But what was the point of Moses and Elijah? What does that mean? See, because the Old Testament law is described about in Deuteronomy 19.15. There must be two or three witnesses in the law. Moses and Elijah were the voice of God. From heaven were these, and the voice of God, were, were these voice, were these witnesses that we receive. So I, re, I realized as I was researching that there's a connection here between this event and Moses going up to receive the law on Mount Sinai. 
The transfiguration was about a new covenant that God was making with the human family. God was doing something new. Moses went up Mount Sinai to, to speak with God and receive the laws of God. The Bible says when Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days, the cloud covered the mountain and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. Pretty interesting in Exodus 24. So Matthew, as, as, as the writer is writing this in the book of Matthew, is, is tying this transfiguration to what happened with Moses on Mount Sinai. Jesus is now this, this new Moses. Moses came down the mountain with the covenant written on stone. And Jesus comes down the mountain with a new covenant to be written on flesh on human hearts. This is good news, people. You see, both Moses and Jesus are, are surrounded by a cloud which represented the presence of God. It was this Shekinah, it was this glory, a cloud of glory that made both of them shine like the sun. I mean, this would have been overwhelming. When the book of Matthew is written, makes his connection to the Old Testament as he reports that, that Moses appeared to Jesus and, and along with Moses, Elijah the prophet is there. He appears. And Moses represents this Old Testament law. And Elijah, he represents the Old Testament prophets. So Jesus is, what you, try, you need to understand here, is not divorced from the Old Testament. But Jesus is linked to the Old Testament. He does not discard the Old Testament, but he transforms it, it and he builds upon it. We need to understand this. One of the, the interesting things that comes out of the transfiguration, although God affirms Jesus as the son whom he loves and with whom he is very pleased and says that we are to listen to him, he says nothing about Moses or Elijah. Peter, James, and John, there they are. They're overcome with fear. They did not know what to do or what to say, but Peter blurts out, Lord, is it good for us to be here? Like, like is this good? If you wish, we'll put up some shelters. You know, because we don't want you guys getting cold. You know, I'm just trying to figure out what they were saying here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But he's interrupted by the voice from the cloud of glory saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. You know, Peter, he's, he's impetuous. Doesn't realize what he's saying. Jesus is not among equals here. Moses and Elijah. Three tenths would not have been appropriate. Because Jesus is not on par with Moses and Elijah. As another lawgiver. And neither is he one of the prophets like Elijah. He's different. 
Jesus is totally different, completely different. He is the Son of God. He is without equal. There is no one like Jesus. I want to remind you of that today. There is no one like Jesus. Isn't it funny how as humans we are always attempting to understand and how quickly we can get it wrong. Building a tent, staying on the mountain, listening to the great men of the law and not, a, not, not the word is not what it's about. We must be drawn to Jesus. He is our deliverer. Not in an event, not the evangelist, not the pastor, not our best friend. We have to listen to Jesus. He is our source of strength. He is our provider today. He is our deliverer. Is there someone who can agree with that today? So what? So what do we do with this information? What does the story of this transfiguration say to us today? What do we do with this information? What, what now? I think the first thing we need to recognize in this whole story, in this moment, in this experience of Jesus showing and revealing himself like he's never revealed himself to, to his guys, is this. Number one, we need to stop building tents and move on in our lives. Stop building tents and moving on in our lives. Now, oh, Pastor, what are you saying? I am not a tent builder. I do not do this. I mean, I like camping. But I'm not like building a tent every day of my life. Quit trying to figure out how you can stay in the moment. Does that make more sense? And figure out how you can stay in obedience. See, I think we, we all get stuck in this. That we love the moment, we love the experience, whatever God's been doing, or whatever good things are happening, and we just try to park it right there. I want to stay here. I don't want to move from this moment, because this is just amazing. It's incredible. And we get so paralyzed in our lives with fear. And the unknown, that, that we like to build safe zones. How does this thing work? I'm not going to touch it. But we want to be inside the tent. Pretend I'm in. We want to stay here. Safe zone. It's my safe zone. Don't come Around me and my tent. It's my tent zone. We get so paralyzed with fear in our world. Come on, folks. Does this make sense? Is this how we act sometimes? We get so paralyzed in the unknown that we build these safe zones. Us four, no more. Oh. Did you just say that? Yeah. You know, you know I, I want to stay in this group. This is my group for eternity. No one allowed in my group. No one allowed in my zone because they may infect how I think and move. And I'm telling you here today, church, 
that if we want to encounter Jesus, we got to get out of our little safe zones. I know we do this because we get hurt. I know we do this to protect ourselves. I know we do this because we don't want anyone else to harm us. And it hurts when people hurt us. And hurt people hurt people. And so we try to protect ourselves. And we say, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep control of this. Safety. If we're a tent-building church, you know, we've got this incredible facility. Thank you, Jesus, for the leaders, for the visionaries, for Pastor Roy and Marilyn who, who created something on paper and saw to fruition to believe that God would do something greater than just a, a, a map on a page, a, a drawings on a page, but God, you would do something to reach our city. And thank you, Lord, for those who have gone before us to create a space that we can honor God in. But listen, if we honor God by just hanging out here on Sundays and not reaching our city, we're missing the point. God is asking us to reach out, to make sure that there are others in this city that we can experience the love of God with, share the love of Jesus, have more people encounter Jesus is love. We stay in our tent. We will miss so much of what God wants to do and how he wants to encounter us. The tents that Peter intended on constructing were, were made from the Feast of Tabernacles. You can read about that in Leviticus, in Exodus, in Deuteronomy. It's the same Greek term in, in used re referring to the final state of righteousness as eternal dwellings. They were trying to create this this space, this worship space. To me, it seems very strange to fixate and celebrate upon an event and a moment where God has given us freedom, given us the, the freedom or this gift, rather than celebrating on the giver of the freedom and the one who gives us the gift. There's so much more to live for than just a moment. There are many moments and experiences that God wants to give us day in and day out. If we aren't experiencing the power of God on a daily basis, we are missing out in God's presence in our lives. I want to encourage you today not to miss out. Remember what you're called to. We are not called to Moses and Elijah. We are not called to great men to mate to great women. We are not called to, to worship them. We are called to worship Jesus. I want to say thank you to the staff for honoring us. That's fantastic, wonderful, but you are not to worship us. We are to worship the Lord and what he's done in our lives and who he is and what he, what he has done. That's the one we worship today. And finally, I want you to catch this. What's the point of all this? God will meet us. But obedience will always cost you something. God will meet us. But obedience will always cost you something. Coming to Jesus daily takes intention. 
Going to Jesus each and every day takes discipline. It takes organization. There are many things that you can do in a day. There are many things that you're responsible and you have authority over. But it takes intention. It takes discipline to put Christ first in your life. It takes time to think about that. Getting into the word of God. Reading his word. Meditating upon his word. Spending time in his presence takes intentionality. But not just being in his presence and listening. We've got to hear the, what God is saying to us each and every day. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something to be obedient. It's, not, it's nothing that you can't do. But you have to be intentional. Encountering Jesus is not about building a tent. It's not about building a space. It's not about building a, a worship zone. It's not about protecting yourself. Encountering Jesus is about daily coming to him. Saying, Jesus, I want you to do something more in my life. Thank you for what you've done yesterday. But I need you today. I need your breath in my life. I need you to speak into me. I need to hear your voice. I need to know that you've got something fresh for me today that will help me through my situation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring life to me. God, I need you today. I can't go on yesterday. I'm not here to build a tent on what you've done in the past, but I'm looking at the future. I want to encounter you in all of your glory and all that you have for me and my life, but not just for me so that I could be a witness of your glory and your mercy in our lives. Encountering Jesus is about being obedient to hearing his voice and acting upon his call. What is Jesus saying to you today? What is he saying to you today? I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads all across this place. Just close your eyes just for a quick moment here today. In just a moment, I'm going to invite those who, who want to ask Jesus to be a part of their lives to simply raise your hand in agreement with me today. But first, I want to ask this question. I'm going to pray for those in this room that you need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You need his forgiveness because you've been making tents. You've been making spaces of worship. You've been saying, us for no more. I don't want anyone else into my life. I've been hurt. Uh, you know, I just want to stay here. I don't want to move any further. I'm comfortable. This is good. This is safe. And God is asking you to do something more. And you just haven't been faithful to do that because you're afraid. Well, fear not today. Jesus is with you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, ah, I've been afraid. I want to encounter Jesus. I want to be faithful to his call, but I have been afraid. Is there anybody here? I just want to pray with you today. Just lift your hand and put it back down. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you all across this room. Let me just pray for you today. Jesus, you see the hands that are raised. You see the hearts that are in a posture of, of humble humility today. Saying, God, would you forgive me of trying to do this on my own strength? been afraid to allow you in, been afraid to allow you to encounter them. 
They've been afraid to allow you to, to lead their lives, and we think we can do it on our own strength and our own power, and God, you're more than that. You're bigger than our situation. I, I, help, I ask, oh Lord, that you would help every individual that's coming to you to say, God, would you forgive them? Would you bring them peace today? Would you bring them clarity in how you want them to live so that they can encounter you in the power and the presence of, of your Holy Spirit? I want to pray for those who are asking, who need forgiveness. For those who want to make Jesus part of their lives. You've never made a decision to serve him. And this is your first time you're saying, I want Jesus in my life. I want to know who he is. I want to walk with him. I want to serve him. I, I'm not sure how to do that, but I want to make today my first decision. If that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's just a moment between you, God, and me, so I know who I'm praying for today. Is there anybody in this room? Just lift your hand up. Jesus wants to come in and change you, transform you. Thank you for your honesty today. Thank you. All across this room, would everybody just stand to your feet today? Everybody in this room. Would you pray this prayer with me today? Saying, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to die for me on the cross, to forgive me of my sins, I turn from my old ways and I look to you now. I receive you into my life. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise for the change of life, the transformation that's taking place here today. If you made that decision, Listen, we just want to walk with you. We want to help you. Stop by our Connect Corner. There's Bibles. We want to just connect with you. There's a little guide that says, now what? It's our next steps. As to, what do I do now that I've made Jesus the Lord of my life? I've, I've said this prayer, but listen, it doesn't always get better from here. I'd be lying to you if I, if I said to you, now that you've given your life to Jesus, everything's going to be awesome. I wish but now that you've given your life to Jesus you have hope you have purpose you have destiny and even though you may have some issues to still sort out God will be with you he will walk with you you'll have a church family that will love you and help you and serve you the best we can as you allow us to do that together there's great ways to get connected we want you to stop by our connection corner today. Listen, if you are very brand new, this is your first time here, there's this little thing in the seats called our connection card. Fill that out this morning. On your way out, stop by. Say hi. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus. Just tell them that. I just made a decision. Isn't that awesome? They'll go, they will celebrate with you. And we'll give you free stuff too. It's always cool. And if you're just visiting, we'll still give you free stuff. We love that you're here. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. Let's continue to encounter Jesus as we recognize what he's done for us, not only on the cross, but as he lives in our lives each and every day, and we have purpose in him today. 
God, we thank you for what you're doing, for what you've done. We ask that you continue to speak to us as we listen to your voice. God, help those in this room, help those in this space today that have been struggling, trying to do it on our own. We're trying to build tents around moments of our lives and build safety. But God, as we come to you today, we ask you to forgive us, make us whole. As we trust in you for the greater days you have in store for us. Help us in our reading of your word. Help us as we meditate. Help us as we hear your voice each and every day. God, we trust you. We love you. We want to follow you. Help us to do that when we feel weak. We don't feel like we can do it on our own strength. Because you remind us that your Holy Spirit is with us. Guiding us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.